Um, do I call you Dave or Phantom or Troublemaker? Uh, Dave. Dave is Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure what you use on the podcast because I've never gotten to listen to anything. I haven't listened to a podcast in 15 years. Oh, well, that, that's like, I'm, that covers... I'm a terrible human. Basically that's... how long podcasts have, or longer than they've been around, so... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've occasionally gotten one because Josh subscribed to a bunch of the Tadpool Frog Pants Studios things, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've gotten to talk to a lot of podcasters because uh, my first year with Info Services, I got to check them all in. Oh, okay, okay. To their tables, because it was Info Services and the tables at the Sheridan. So, um, yeah, so I got to meet a lot of the podcasters my first year there. Well, some, uh, you know, some podcasts are, are pretty good, and most of them are not. Most, <laughs> 99% of podcasts are unlistenable, is what, I have, is what I have discovered in my time in this world. Yeah, I've uh, I've gotten stuck with the YouTube because my kids are addicted to YouTube. Oh yeah, so yeah. I end up watching more stuff on YouTube than just listening. But like I said, Josh subscribes to a few of them, but what? not for a while. <laughs> I th- I think kicking this off with how terrible podcasts are is really the best way possible to start this podcast. So we're going to go ahead and go if you're ready. Okay, I'm good to go. All right, well, then Beth Giles, like the guy from Buffy, not like the band, welcome, (laughs) welcome to the Needless Things podcast. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Uh, All right, so we're, I mean, I know you mostly from DCW. I know you've, I've seen you around Dragon Con in past years uh, outside of that. But let's talk about DCW a little bit first. Well, first of all, you are here in your capacity as director of the Silk Road track now. Correct. How did how did this come about? I mean, obviously you've been very active in doing things at Dragon Con for years now, uh, but this this is a big new step. How did this happen? Um, so I've been volunteering with the convention, and I'm sorry about the cough earlier. I hit the wrong mute button. Um, <laughs> Uh, But uh, I've been volunteering with Dragon Con for about 15 years now, all in the operations side. So I've worked in signage and VIP badge pickup and information services. Um, So I've kind of been all over the place. I've moderated a couple of panels last year. And uh, uh, my husband and I have been directors for MomoCon for the last, uh, gosh, six years now for the physical arts department. So... Um, so it, it was kind of the next logical step. Making a note to have you back for Momocon next year. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so where, tell me exactly, cause there are, there's so many tracks at Dragon Con and they're constantly evolving and changing because Dragon Con 
is run by fans. It's for fans, and they're always looking to meet the needs of the audience that's there, of of the 85,000 people that show up. Uh, But Silk Road has been around for quite a long time, but it's one of the tracks that I'm not quite as familiar with. Tell me what this encompasses. So the Silk Road track encompasses culture and live-action film across the path of the ancient Silk Road from ancient times to modern. And if you're not familiar with the Silk Road, uh, it travels from the Mediterranean all the way to Japan and the Pacific and down into India. So it's a large portion of the Asian landmass. So this this is... uh well, what what kind of panels and stuff do you program? What if somebody was looking to check this track out? What kind of things would they encounter? Okay, so we always have some Godzilla panels because Godzilla is the king of the monsters, and with the movie coming out this year, we've kind of expanded a few extra ones this year on our regular panels. So we'll have one that's Godzilla, king of marketing that will be all about Godzilla merch in the U.S. Um, And he's going to bring a lot of cool examples that roar and light up, and it'll be lots of fun. And uh, then we'll do one that's Godzilla King of the Monsters, where we'll just do a general review of all the classic Godzilla all the way through to 98 and the most recent with all anger checked at the door because there are very (laughs) strong opinions about Godzilla 98, (laughs) um, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, and and to say that that was my first in-theater Godzilla experience is sad, but true. Well, but I think that's the case for a lot of Americans. I mean, that's just, you know, having the opportunity to even see Godzilla in a movie theater wasn't something that happened all the time in the average American's life, uh, you know, from the, the 80s through the 90s. Right. But in addition to Godzilla, we'll have um, some culture panels on tea service. We'll have history of samurai. We're going to do a self-defense panel. We'll have a Jodo staff fighting demonstration. Uh, I have a guy who comes in and talks about ninjas, myth versus reality. Um, Let's see. A couple of origami panels at different levels. We'll have a beginner and an intermediate level class. And those will be hands-on workshops, so that'll be fantastic. And uh, I also have a lady coming in this year to do a panel on traditional to modern Indian dress for women. So re- it really is a, a cultural immersion and, and a, a taste of a lot of different styles. Right, and I would be completely remiss if I eliminated my dance portion because we have a belly dance class. There's going to be a K-pop dance class. There's going to be a K-pop dance party that will run for four hours Friday night. Um And then we're going to do the Silk Road Performance Expo, where we will have, again, more dancers and then other performers as well. Um, We have a martial artist who's uh, applied to perform for the expo this year. So it'll be a wide variety of cultural demonstration. Okay, this is great, because we have hit upon something else that you're going to have to explain to me. Because I'm, I'm, uh, I don't necessarily feel like I'm old, but I'm a little out of touch 
this whole K-pop thing that's going on, where where did this come from and how did it get so big so quickly? Because I see a lot, so many of the people I follow on Instagram are just crazy for these bands. Yeah, so K-pop is huge. And it kind of spun out of J-pop, which is Japanese pop. And it harkens to a lot of the same reasons for how it developed. Um, it's kind of line dancing in miniature, choreographed to a excuse me, specific piece of music. And everyone can learn that dance, follow along, and do it in a very tight space with lots of other people. And if you've ever been to a K-pop dance party, the room is always packed, wall-to-wall. So you have to have movements that are recognizable, repeatable, and that everyone can do in sync. Otherwise, somebody's going to run into somebody. Um, so it's, it's just it's a lot of fun. It's super poppy. It's really bouncy. It makes you move. It gets your heart racing. It's just it's just a lot of fun. And they're like the boy bands of the 80s and 90s in America. Like, they are adorable, these boys. So I, I understand the draw. And, and that's what I've seen is people, it'll be a stage full of performers, you know, what, five to six to seven guys up there mm-hmm. dressed very specifically and you're right the image wise it is very reminiscent of like mm-hmm. insane and backstreet oh, boys and, and stuff and they all have characters they play there's the bad boy there's the boy next door there's the nerdy boy there's they have characters in the group oh wow mm-hmm. so this is i mean there's an element of theater to this as well oh absolutely absolutely and, and it's always just an arena full of people going bonkers it is yep that's yeah um k-con's actually been touring the u.s with bts and that's one of the bigger names in k-pop right now and uh they went to new york and filled filled the stadium sold out i think five minutes when ticket sales opened and then they went to la and same thing it was insane so yeah it's it's big so we've covered a little bit what you're doing now, and we can uh, come back around to that. But I want to talk about your history with Dragon Con because 15 years of Dragon Con is impressive. I mean, that's wild. <laughs> How did you first get involved? Sorry, coffee. Quite um, all right. So coffee is important. It's necessary for life, Dave. Um, so my first year, I came with an ex-boyfriend who had been coming for years, and so he allowed me to just immerse myself in the experience. Um, I spent a whole day in Brit Track. A whole day. I just sat down and I watched classic Doctor Who and Buck Rogers and watched a guy talk about ancient weapons and it was just mind blowing i didn't leave my seat the whole day except when they made us clear the room (laughs) (laughs) it was it was nuts um i got to see a stargate panel and it just it blew my mind just the variety i didn't want to leave we were commuting in and out it was it was the best experience of my life and that was back in 2003 i think 
So we were just in the Hyatt and the Marriott then. It was a very, very small convention compared to what it is now. I think we were at around 20,000 attendees. Um, anyway, the next year I wasn't with that guy and I wanted to go to the convention and I couldn't afford my membership, so I volunteered. Um, and I ran signs for signage from room to room and made corrections and banners and it was loads of fun. And uh, then they snuck me away to VIP badge pickup and that's where the guests and their agents pick up their badges. It's also where eternal members pick up their badges. Um, So that's kind of behind regular registration, a separate section. Um, So even though I was working registration, nobody ever saw me in registration. Uh, And I was there for a good long while, and then I transferred over to Information Services and stayed there with Sarah McCorkendale for, I think, seven years. So, you know, I've I've been around. I've just been in the background. And uh, then, like I said, last year I uh, I was on a couple of panels for uh, for Kelly over in the um, I think American Sci-Fi Classics track. No, that's probably entirely wrong. I'm so sorry, Kelly's um, military science fiction. Is that right? I don't remember. See, okay, so the panels I did, I did uh, on anthology shows, so, and uh, on humans. So uh, I was moderator on the humans panel, and if you're not familiar, that was a show that was on AMC and BBC, I think, for a while. And then it went to, I think, Amazon. And uh, it was an excellent series. They're still hoping to pick up with another season because they still have more story to finish, but they haven't found anyone to produce it yet. So it seems to be dead in the water. Um, And then we did uh, one on the anthology series. So it was the Philip K. Dick series and um, Electric Sheep or Electric Dreams. Oh, American um, Sci-Fi Media, I think. There we go, American Sci-Fi Media. Thank you. I'm so sorry, (laughs) Kelly. There's a lot so of sorry, there's a Kelly. lot of American sci-fi tracks. There are. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of American sci-fi yeah. and so you have to start segmenting things. Like you were saying, we have so many tracks it's because things have grown so large in mainstream culture that now we include so much more global information than we used to. There's just more available for us to cover and for fans to want to see. So, um, yeah, so like you said, we've, we've had to segment so many of the, the tracks into tiny little portions because it's the only way for everybody to get enough content on everything. Now let's talk a little bit more about volunteering because I, I think to the sort of the average con-goer, uh, it, it might fly under the radar a little bit that Dragon Con, you know, everybody you see, whether they're directing you to panels or holding up a sign or telling you where to line up or whatever the case may be, helping you at the information booth, these are all volunteers who are giving up their personal time to make Dragon Con what it is. And I think it's one of the most important things about Dragon Con that gets overlooked pretty frequently. Right, yep, we are a convention run by fans for the fans. And entirely volunteer staff on the floor. You may occasionally see one of the office staff, but um, 
they're the only but, ones who are actually employed by the convention year-round. And, and chances are they're just out there telling volunteers to do stuff. Right. Yep. They're still working. It's still their job. So, yeah. Um, but I, there's only there's only a couple of those. But we have to have them. Without them, nothing else runs all year round. So, their their website support, office support, and I think that's really about it. <laughs> so, how does one look into volunteering for Dragon Con? So, you can go to the website, and it says. Um, Let's see. Let me tell you exactly what it says on the website. I think it says, how do I contribute? But let me double check that. And like you said, you know, whether you just have a passion for working on these kinds of things or you just don't have the cash to go to Dragon Con, you know, this this is a way to, to get involved and to be a part of it. Right. Okay, so if you go to dragoncon.org, at the top you have a selection menu, and you go and hover over participate, and the very first option is volunteer. Now, we've already had our last volunteer meeting for this year, so we are not open for volunteers for 2019, and I believe that the application to volunteer for 2020 won't open until after the convention is over, but don't, I'm not sure because that's office end, and I don't know how that works. Um, but I think it opens after the convention. And uh, the first year you volunteer, you pay $20 for your badge for the weekend. Some departments are conditional upon hours completed for releasing a badge, and they do daily badges instead of a badge for the full weekend. And some departments do just a badge for the full weekend and you show up for all your scheduled hours or you are not allowed to volunteer next year. So there's there's different ways volunteering works. But volunteering is a brilliantly fun experience. It gets you in the back door to a lot of things because sometimes you just have to go the back way and somebody will take you if you need to, and you get to find lots of little nooks and crannies that nobody else knows about, and sometimes you get to meet celebrities that accidentally opened the wrong door, and um, it's just, it's it's bizarre. It's just the most amazing thing. I found Christopher Lloyd asleep in the lobby at the Hilton one year, woke him up and sent him to bed. We were there in the karaoke lounge, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we... Uh... We, Did you we, see that happen? We saw that, yes. That was me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then on my way out the door, because that was an epic experience, I saw Will Wheaton on his way up the elevator. And then as soon as I turned the corner, I ran into his doppelganger wearing a T-shirt that said, no, I'm not Will Wheaton, but he's around here somewhere. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God. You have to come with me. And I dragged this unsuspecting person who had no idea why across the Hilton lobby and then slowly edged him into Will's line of sight. That's great. And he stopped mid-sentence and went, oh, my God, that is the best thing I've seen all weekend. You just made my day. That is the best thing I've ever seen. And I was like, yes, score. <laughs> That's awesome. It was an epic night. (laughs) 
so what what are what are some other stories i mean in 15 years of doing this you've got to have some more fun stories and things that have happened that that are just you know dragon con is a magical time and and it really is um it's, it's something where the whole weekend is great but even among all that greatness there are always at least a couple of memorable things okay so it has been copied but not as well as the original the original was probably seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. This group came in dressed as Ghostbusters, and their proton packs were connected to each other, and they were a roaming sound system with lights and everything. Oh, wow. And they set up on the steps of the Marriott and held a mini rave at 2 o'clock in the morning on the steps of the Marriott outside Tower 2 and just partied like there was nothing else happening at Con. And people walked up and they were like, what is this? This isn't on the schedule. And we're like, <laughs> man, this is awesome. And that's, that's Dragon Con. They set up karaoke on the steps of the Marriott last year. Just somebody with a, a, a sound system in a wagon, a karaoke system in a wagon. Just rolling it around and set up outside the Marriott and started doing karaoke on the sidewalk. It was brilliant. And that's one of the awesome things is like just in walking around, I, I've discovered, you know, not necessarily part of the programming, people doing their own thing. I've seen bands playing outside. I've seen, I, I discovered this tap dance troupe that I put over all the time called Noise Complaint. I love Noise Complaint. We were actually, the first year that my husband and I ran the department at Momocon, they were one of our performance groups, and they were so popular and packed out the room that we had to give them to main programming. Well, but we had them back in our room this year for a follow-up session, and it was nice. It was a little reunion. I love those guys. They, when I found them, mm-hmm. uh, this was this was years ago, I six seven years ago maybe, and I'm walking through the Marriott, and it was one of those lulls. You know how you have you're you're pretty up all weekend long, but sometimes you just come down a little bit. You're like, "Whoo, this is a lot. Let me just yeah. chill out for a minute." Right and there at the escalators, at the back side yes. of the H, at the the Marriott level in the Marriott, the, they set up a little portable stage, yes. and they were tapping in the corner. And uh, I'm probably responsible for that because I suggested they ask if that be okay, because yeah. they had performed for us at MomoCon that year, and I thought they were brilliant, and that they should bring it to DragonCon. You're welcome. I appreciate it because it was (laughs) wonderful. I mean, it was exactly what I needed at just the right time. And that's the great thing is, you know, you go, you make your schedule, you know, Mm -hmm. you have the things you plan to do, but it's Mm -hmm. the things that you don't expect to see, um, like the the shows in the Hyatt, Mm -hmm. just walking through. And, you know, I I don't keep track of who's playing when over there. Mm -hmm. I like to just walk by and see what's going on and that's it's those little things that catch you by surprise because there's always something going on everywhere yeah yep that's that's exactly it there was one year that people walk around in the fountain we almost got banned from the fountain for that yeah and well and yeah that was another fun one is uh going out of the marriott how they've got those uh 
they've got the sort of waterfall window looking things in that front mm-hmm. area. And there was somebody up in there getting pictures of their costume, like, you know, very, like it was a little photo shoot set up in there because that background was so cool. That's the other funny thing is cosplayers just all over the place finding cool little nooks and nice scenery and setting up like 10 minute photo shoots. All right, let's do this. So yeah, it's sorry. uh, Any other kind of specific things, just fun times that you maybe didn't expect or, or, Dragon Con moments that that would go in your scrapbook. Oh, uh, let's see. My first year working in VIP badge pickup was the first year that registration was in the Hilton. Maybe the only year the registration was in the Hilton because we added the Hilton that year. And um, somehow uh, Lou Ferrigno had missed his ride at the airport and caught a cab. And found his way to us after going to the Hyatt first because registration had been there for years. And showed up at my window very upset because his family had arrived earlier and had already checked in, but he didn't know where. His agent had already picked up all of his information, so he didn't know his schedule. And nobody was answering the phone. Um, So I had a very angry Hulk (laughs) staring at me through the tiny little space in my little booth. Right, he like had to lean down on the counter to fit in the tiny window, and uh, it's my first year, and I have no idea how to handle this. So, uh, <laughs> I remembered that he's deaf, so I asked him if he was deaf, and he said yes. And I asked if he re- read lips, and he said yes. So I explained that uh, I wasn't sure how to handle it, but I would find out as quickly as possible. And that if he would like to have a seat, I had chairs behind the podium for him to have a seat at. And he said, no, I'll wait here. But he thanked me for remembering that I wouldn't know if I was, he wouldn't know if I was talking to him when I walked away, if right. I didn't speak to his face. Right. Um, that turned it around. By the time I came back, he was already smiling. And I had, like, miracled some guest transportation people out of thin air Moments later, they just walked up and had radios and handled it, escorted him, took him where he needed to go, handled everything. Um, but I still get a wave and a smile every time I see him at con. So that that one's pretty special. Um, and uh, let's see, the first year I met George Lowe, he handed me his ID to pick up his badge. He said, uh, it's a uh, low, George. And I said, okay. And he said, I'm Space Ghost. <laughs> and I went, yeah, you are. And handed him back his ID and turned around and like squeed a little. And then handed him all of his stuff. And I was very professional. And then my director invited me over to hang out with him for like half an hour. And I just sat and did a happy dance in the chair the whole time it was unbelievable um let's see and one year captain lou abano came oh my gosh and he didn't realize that wrestling badges are all handled by the wrestling director so tiny at the time had all the wrestlers badges and so he showed up to get his badge in the correct place except we didn't have them but I got to hang out with Captain Lou Bano for like 15 minutes while we figured it out. It was amazing. That's incredible. And yeah, that is, it's 
still sort of odd to me how wrestling is its own creature. DCW is very much its own little part of Dragon Con. It is, and it's it's super special. I mean, the hooligans, I think, are the most dedicated wrestling fans I've ever seen, and they are absolutely some of the most dedicated Dragon Con fans I've ever seen. I mean, we had to create a Thursday-only badge specifically so that people who were coming just for wrestling could get in on Thursday only. Well, it's, I mean, it is legit the best live wrestling show you'll see all year long. Uh, it's, there's no other, you know, without getting too behind the scenes on it, no other wrestling show happens in the way that this one happens. Uh, it's, it's a very different environment. It's a very different way for these guys to work and it comes through. And of course it's a very different audience. Mm hmm. So how did how did you end up getting involved with DCW and and what was your, I don't even know what your role was there I would just see <laughs> you and we'd hang out and talk for a second and then you'd be off taking care of business. Um, okay, so I never have had an official role with Dragon Con Wrestling. I've always been volunteering for another department, um, except the year that we did Tiny's Memorial. That year, I dedicated to Dragon Con only, uh, Dragon Con Wrestling only. Um, but the other years that I was involved, it was just because Tiny and I had met sitting on the patio by the pool at the Hyatt, waiting for wrestling to set up, and he invited me in to meet the guys and said, hey, you want to come sit at the table with me? You can ring the bell. Like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, off and on for about a decade, I have occasionally sat at the table and rung the bell. Um I've also thrown a podcaster at his own request, did a did a hip wheel. Uh, it was nice and gentle. I set him down on the ground. He was more surprised that he didn't hit the ground with a thud than he was at being thrown by a girl. <laughs> um, but it was amazing. Uh, there's probably still video of that out there somewhere. Um, but uh, let's see. Occasionally, I will notice that there's a crowd control issue and just get up and run away. Uh, which is what you're talking about. Sometimes I just disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually because I see a crowd control issue. I've I've worked in security and martial arts for so long that it's ingrained that if it's not being handled by the people who are supposed to, I'm going to handle it. So uh, occasionally I, I will go work crowd control. But it's a lot more fun to sit at the bell and watch for D's signal when he says, that's it. Um, these are the ref that's usually calling the matches for DCW. Um, occasionally we have a, a female ref too, and I wish I remembered her name because um, she's brilliant. But uh, Dee's the guy that usually calls the matches, or not calls, refs the matches. You are the one who's been calling the matches since Tiny passed, the times that I've been there. Yeah, I've, uh, gosh. How, well, I didn't, I didn't last year. Because I had I didn't other either. stuff. That yep. it's, it's gotten to the point. Well, one, 
sitting there the first night of con yelling for three hours is not good when you have 11 other things scheduled the rest of the time at dragon con i know i heard you at your gi joe panel later in the weekend and you were you were struggling i could tell it was uh, i think that was like sunday around midday sunday the next time i saw you and it was uh it was a pretty rough one (laughs) that was uh after because you know thursday night was I was that was like your tenth panel, wasn't it? And the, yeah, it, well, yeah. and also it was after the game show. Oh yeah, the Saturday night is the other thing that is big over. You know, panels. Mm-hmm. If I was just doing panels, I could do that all weekend, no problem, because it's just talking like we're doing now. But DCW and the game show, you got to be big announcer and over the voice top and right, yep. right, and uh, yep. you know, combine that with non-stop drinking 24 7 and <laughs> shockingly it doesn't go so well by about sunday mid-afternoon see now i have been pregnant or nursing a baby so much in my dragon con career because i have two and they i was pregnant and then nursing so two years out with both of them um so that's four years of no partying at Dragon Con, and I have to tell you, the sober Dragon Con experience is maybe more amusing than the party experience. I could buy that. You still go to all the parties, but you get to remember what everybody else did. (laughs) Right? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, Absolutely. You can tell them how they got that bruise or cut their hand or whose phone number that is, or right? Because you're the one who was conscious for the whole thing. It's amazing and really entertaining. Well, I'm definitely just going to take your word for that. Okay, that's I'm, fair. I'm not going to be experimenting with Sober Dragon Con this year. I will also I will also admit that I have had pie and vodka gummies for breakfast. So mm, yeah, yeah. You know it goes both ways at Dragon Con. Look, if if uh, at Dragon Con sometimes coffee isn't enough. It's true. It's true. All right, yeah, especially well, when somebody's offering you home brewed from scratch apple pie. Right, you don't turn that down. That's just rude. Right? Absolutely. I mean, because manners, manners at Dragon manners. Con are important. I mean, he even distilled his own liquor for it. Yeah, it you don't say uh, no to that. You can't say no, no to that. No, that would yeah. be terrible breach of etiquette. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so to wrap this thing up, uh, let's land back on the Silk Road track. Uh, are there well first of all where can we find we of we are all of course waiting although by the time this goes up the app could potentially have been released but (laughs) Uh, i don't know uh if it's up if it's up by monday the week of i'll be pleased (laughs) but okay uh, uh, until we have that glorious app (laughs) in our phones uh, where can we find information about the Silk Road track? And are there any other uh, specific panels or things you want to put over before we wrap it up? 
Uh, so let's see. Um, I'm borrowing a couple of guests from other departments this year. Um, borrowing Nick Aptimiades from the Skeptic Track. He does a lot of um, espionage panels for them because he works in that field. Um, he lived in China and Japan for several years and studied um, martial arts and cooking and other things. So he's the one that's going to be doing the. Uh, the self-defense panel. He's also a professor of uh, Eastern East Asian studies at Penn State. Uh, so he's going to do the history of the samurai panel as well. And I think those are going to be really interesting. It'll be my first year working with all of these panelists, obviously, as my first year as director. But some of them I've been to their panels before. So I've seen them. I've met them. They're not brand new to me, but uh, but Nick's brand new to me, and I'm I'm interested to meet him because I've never met a real life spy before. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. So yeah, that's a neat crossover. And then um, and Phoenicia, I'm just she's brilliant. She's the belly dance instructor, and you'll see her at the drum circle all the time. And she'll also be a part of the Silk Road Exposition and my tea service. Um, so she's going to be all over the Silk Road this year, and she's just, she's fantastic. I love Venetia. Um, but, uh, and I want everybody to know that Kira Lang, the previous director of Silk Road, she is still involved in the track. She has handed me over all of her information on scheduling and panelists and all of the neat supplies that she has. And, um... She gave me some advice on a lot of things in working with volunteers because it'll be my first year being director over volunteers at DragonCon. Um, but mostly, she agreed to stay on to run the Silk Road Exposition for me. So she's going to be in charge of the Silk Road Performance Exposition. So it will be the same exposition, exposition that you're used to with new performers. And like I said, we have martial artists this year, so that should be really interesting. Awesome. This this is great. I love hearing about... Because, uh, you know, you, you get to Dragon Con and you kind of... Uh, you, you have your one or two tracks that you're really invested in or embedded mm-hmm. with, and you kind of slowly start to spread out from there. And I love discovering these tracks that have been around forever that I just, you know, maybe just haven't had the time to explore and find out what all they're about and what the programming is. So I I appreciate um, you coming on and explaining what's going on. I actually got to meet the the first Silk Road track director um, the year that it became a track, and uh, we hit it off pretty well. She gave me a neat little uh, special Silk Road badge to go behind my regular badge that was just like a, a friend of Silk Road type souvenir. And uh, I still carry that with my stack of badges because I'm one of those that carries my stack of all my Dragon Con badges. It weighs like three pounds now. Um, but uh, to find the Silk Road track at the convention, we'll be at the Hilton. Um, if you take the elevators or escalators down to the Galleria level, we're in Galleria 8. And that's way in the back across from podcasts. Um, and then until the convention, you can find us on Facebook at DragonCon Silk Road, or you can find us at, I think it's Silk Road at DragonCon.com. Nope, Silk Road at DragonCon.org. 
Yeah, and if you go to the DragonCon main page, it's it's they they have improved the site greatly, and it's fairly yeah, it's, easy to find your way around. And it's changed a lot, but if you just search for Silk Road, it'll pull up the Silk Road track page, and that has a summary of the track and what to expect at the convention. Um, I've also been on the uh, DragonCon Media Relations podcast, and I did 50 Days of DragonCon the other day, so I think I'm day 32 on. 50 days. Awesome. Well, you are day, let's see, will be about a week out when this posts. Okay. So, uh, it's wild. I can't believe it's right around the corner of, of one of the excellent presenters for the horror track who is an attending professional this year, Clay Gilbert. Has, uh-huh. uh, has has said that Dragon Con is always either a year away or tomorrow. That's true. <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's exactly right. And and uh, in in this case, we are much closer uh, to, to tomorrow. The right, exactly. <laughs> well, Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about the Silk Road track. I am looking forward to checking that out, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again this year. At DCW, and you know what I think we need? Hmm. I think we need a belly dancing wrestler. Ooh. I think you need to talk to Phoenicia about that. <laughs> we need a little crossover there. Brilliant. Okay, you saved it. I was leaving on a heart attack because we are only, ooh, tomorrow. Yeah. But, uh, no, yeah, uh-huh. That would be hilarious. Be tremendous. <laughs> It'd be perfect for DCW. Awesome. Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, I will be seeing you soon. Alrighty. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.